On this episode of Building Your Wealth Muscle Podcast, we're joined by Mo, who teaches us about why you need to focus on your churn rate, how to differentiate your business, and why keeping his nine to five job actually improved his business. Next, we get into the decision that he made that made the most impact on his revenues and profits. And at the end, Mo gives us his philosophies on building wealth outside of his business. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. This week, we have Mo visiting with us. Uh, He's a very successful business coach out of Michigan. Mo, welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle Podcast. Thanks for coming with us. Thanks for having me, Pat. Glad to be here. Awesome. So why don't you tell the listeners, we can dive right in a little bit about yourself and how'd you get into fitness coaching? Yeah, totally. So I, yeah, I mean, I grew up like most fitness coaches, overweight, used to work at McDonald's in high school and had very humble beginnings. And then when I went to college, I was majoring in computational biology and and computer engineering, uh, software engineering, actually. And yeah, man, going through that journey, studying a lot, you're so busy in college, learning all those things that I got even worse, right? I kept getting fat and fat and fat. Then I picked up soccer. I was like, okay, I'm going to play soccer and try to lose this fat. And then one day playing soccer, I tore my ACL, which is like on my left knee. So then I'm out of soccer, right? So painful. And I remember thinking, like asking God, I'm like, God, like I was just trying to get in shape. Like why did this happen, right? Now I'm like like in pain and I have to go get a surgery and I have to go to physical therapy. But there's a blessing in disguise and everything, right? So going through that physical therapy process got me into strength training. And this is like nine years ago. And, um, yeah, I just, I used to show up to PT, like excited. And they would always say like, you're so upbeat and everything. And, um, I always had an upbeat personality, but like strength training just, it felt really good. And then my surgeon gave me, uh, he told me, he's like, Hey, like if you can develop your quads, I will literally cut your physical therapy time in half and you don't have to go the other three months. Wow. So I started going to the gym on my own and I would just squat a lot, like barbell squatting. I learned that. And then I go back to my surgeon to get a checkup. He goes, how do you develop your quads again, right? Because when you get injured, your muscles, like they shrink. Um, atrophy happens and because you're not using them as much. So yeah, bro, going through that journey, it just got me into strength training. And then when I finished college, I was working in healthcare as my internship at the time. So my day job was working at a hospital because my goal was to become a doctor. So I was like deep inside clinical healthcare. But then I was studying engineering and science. So I was like in STEM, if you guys know what that means, science, technology, education, you know, mathematics, engineering and mathematics. And so super analytical from the start, that was my upbringing. And then when I graduated college, I were at a a restaurant or a bar one night with all my friends, like three weeks before college ended. I was like, you know, like I'm going to compete as a fitness model as soon as I get out of college. They're like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking men's physique. So the day after I finished college, I hired a personal trainer, hired my first fitness coach, 
I was scared shitless, like literally had no money. And here I am hiring a coach to take my fitness to the next level at probably a really stressful time of my life because I had no job and I didn't know if I wanted to get a job or go to grad school. And I remember my sister saying like, she's like, why? Like, why are you doing this now where like you're so stressed out? You might have to. And I'm like, I'm flying to D.C. to San Francisco for job interviews while having to contest prep. But man, we did it. So I won that show five months later and it just gave me a whole new confidence in life. And then people started asking me fitness questions. And then I was like, okay, like maybe there is something here. Um, And then one thing led to another, hired a business coach. Literally the money I saved up to pay my student loans, I ended up spending on a business coach five years ago. And then that started training with the Titans, which is the company I own now. And um, yeah, we've trained a little over 340 people now and just had our own app launch on uh, Apple Store and Google Play Store yesterday. So yeah, man, back then I used to do it part-time. Full-time was my healthcare consulting job. Now for the last year and a half, um, actually two years almost, I've been doing fitness coaching full-time now. That's fantastic. I have a team. That's a pretty cool journey that you went on. So what? how'd you find all, that first coach? What did you say? All, all before the age of 26. 26, 27 now. That's amazing. Yeah. What? Um, how did you find that orig- that first coach right out of college? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was big in fitness, even in college. So I was following Amanda Bucci. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. who that sure. is. Um, and Amanda one time was talking about she hired this business coach. His name was Sterling Griffin. Now he's a comedian. Um, but I hired, uh, I was like, I started following Sterling on Instagram and he would have like these inspiring stories on Instagram every day. So I messaged him and, and he started talking to me and I remember exactly where I was, where he messaged me back. Turns out it was one of his DM people, but I felt so special. <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, what kind of money are you trying to make? What are you, what are your goals are? And then he goes, well, I'll have one of my team members uh, talk to you tonight. What time are you free? So then that was a sales call, obviously. And then, uh, yeah, I remember just like being, because I think the initial investment was 5K. Actually, it was 5K. And I remember, bro, when he said that, I was like, oh, I'm like, okay, can you like split it in half? And I remember, I still remember that day. It was September 18 of 2017. Um, I remember being scared shitless, being like, I can't go to my parents um, and ask for their approval because they're not where I want to be. They're not where I want to go. Right. Right. Sure. And neither are any of my friends at the time. Cause all my friends at the time were not business owners. They were all like engineers. They were all scientists that had 95 jobs. I was trying to create a new reality. So like just standing my ground, trusting my own self and being like, if I don't do this, nothing will happen. But if I do this, there's a chance something will happen. So like, being super scared, but learning to trust myself and then making no money for the first eight months, zero dollars for the first eight months. And they promised me I would make like six figures in 90 days. I didn't. Right. And that's the story with a lot of people, but a lot of people give up. I didn't. Um, I kept working every day. was like an adventure. Every day was like learning new skills and everything. So, and then eight months later, got like three clients at once. And then you just keep going, keep going. And now it's like, we have, you know, a lot of people coming in and it's all through word of mouth. We don't run any advertising. I don't spend a dime on that. So lesson learned, I guess, for a lot of business owners, if you're in the early days, like it's going to take longer than you think it will take, but I promise you it will work if you're pursue if you persevere. That's great. That's uh, wow. Eight months. That's impressive that you, you stuck with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, people are like, yeah, like, you know, I want to give up and, you know, it's been this many weeks and I haven't done anything. And I'm like, well, like, when you started, how much did you know? I remember, like, not even knowing what a lead was. I remember not even knowing what closing a sale meant. I remember I didn't even know what the word sale entailed. Sales, right? People are like, sales and marketing. I'm like, I'm an engineer and a scientist by training, right? Like, I don't know. So it's like, you got to humble yourself and be like, you know, like as engineers, we go through a lot of mathematics and a lot of severe, like as financial person, you know this too. It's like, there's a lot of skills that you got to acquire to become that. So like for me, I think the academic system, I, I always thank them for it is because they humbled me and they made me realize it's like, hey, just because you took algebra two doesn't mean you're like a mathematician. <laughs> you have to take calculus, you have to take trigonometry. So like I was trained with that mindset. So my expectations weren't crazy. I was like, hey, I'm doing this and I love it. I enjoy it. So like every day when I would have my job from like 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., bro, every day for those eight months from like 4.30 p.m. till 10 p.m. at night, I was at a Starbucks building my business. I still have pictures. Um, and it was exciting. I literally look forward to it. It was one day I would learn a little bit about copywriting. Then I would watch videos. And I would try to figure this out. And there's so many skills you have to learn to bring the first dollar across the bridge that if you don't learn these and you quit, well, like you probably like weren't built for it anyway. Um, and so that's how I always looked at it. No, I totally agree. Um, yeah, because like I've similar background as you. Uh, my degree is in biochemistry, and then I, oh, hell I yeah. switched into finance in 2010. So I was always good with math and science, so I wasn't worried. But when I started my own business, yeah, like they don't teach you the sales, marketing, nothing. It's like, okay, you got all your credentials. Go, you're great at helping people, getting them in the door. That's a whole separate skill set. Yeah, I mean, one of my uh, one of my assistant coaches, he's he's getting his MBA, and we always joke about like how in his MBA they never talk about anything that I teach them, right? Because like a lot of things that I'm learning, I have to teach my team to make sure we're all on the same page and we're all pushing the back and forward. So it's always like funny to see how like academic system is so behind. Um, or they just teach you how to fit into a big corporation and be one little piece of it. Running a business is like you have to be every department every day and make sure all of it runs smoothly, right? Whereas when you have a job, it's very different. You're one person in a department as that one person who has very specific robotic job almost um, because someone laid out the instructions for you. So you just do those things. Running a business is like, the best business people, like literally like they have the mental flexibility to be like, okay, I'm at A, I'm going to jump to Z. How am I going to do that? That's what I have to figure out. Whereas like school and, you know, like graduate schools, what they teach you is how to go from A to B, B to C, C to D. But business isn't like that. You know, <laughs> business can be like very nonlinear. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice that I was recently given and I can't remember who gave it to me because I should give them credit, but it was to increase my goal like way past what normal, like where you would feel like, well, that's so unrealistic. <clears throat> but when I shifted the goal from like the money I want to make to like a huge enterprise business that I want to build, it forced me to change how I'm going to get there because otherwise you, I was able to like think of like, oh, I can get an assistant and then like maybe a second assistant and all these things that are just, it's not really scalable when you're like, all right, well, how am I going to build something that is huge 
it changed how I had to think about it because I was like, well, like, there's zero chance I could do it myself. I, there's not enough time in my life or three or four other people's lives. So it just it, as an entrepreneur, it really shifted how I think about the future of the business. 100%. That's super good framework to think through, perspective to think through. Yeah. So, so this is a podcast about building and protecting well for uh, fitness entrepreneurs. So let's talk about, about your business. Um, do you have a niche? Um, how did you get there? Like, tell us a little bit more about your business model. In the beginning, like everybody told me to niche down, niche down, right? And what was happening was I would put the, I help this person get this without this, right? I would put that all over my social media and I was attracting different types of people, right? I was attracting the people from my pool, the engineers, the doctors, the lawyers, right? People that I was friends with. So I'm like, okay, like, am I supposed to not take clients from the people that are outside this niche? And one of my friends told me, he's like, no, you can, like, that's marketing. But when people that come through your pipeline, that's sales. You have to determine whether you want to work with them or not. Um, so over the years, my niche has changed. And, and recently, we had to really double down because we're at that part of our, our company where we have served a lot of people. We have a lot of results, right? And what that does is, like, it's like, okay, like, who do we enjoy working with the most? That was the question I had to ask myself. So we look at the lifetime value of each customer, and then we look at who are the ones that we enjoyed working with the most. And then we ended up figuring out who were the ones that got the best results too, right? We got everybody results, but some results were way better, right? So it's like, okay, what when that when those people come through our, our coaching, what beliefs do they already have? What characters do they already have? What behaviors do they already have? What do they have in their physical environment that they already got, right? So it's like not everybody had that and we knew it, right? The clients that got the best results, they had a lot in common. So then we turned out that males from 27 to 31 years of age that are either engaged in the last year or are still single, they like, you know, have over six figure salary, they are comfortable, they are not trying to buy a home in the next year, but they're just, they just want to be in shape and they weigh over 210 pounds. That's our ideal customer. And um, why do I have such clarity? Well, that just comes with working with 300 plus people, right? It's like, I think you know, I've always struggled with the niche question. And I think what, what it comes down to is like, Sometimes people spend too much time on those worksheets where it's like, what color does my ideal customer like? What is their favorite animal? What is their this? And a lot of it in the world of business doesn't matter. What matters is like, hey, who am I, who does my product best serve? And who are the happiest people that I work with? And who do I enjoy working with the most? And in a service-based business, that model ma matters a lot. In a product-based business, like you're selling coffee, it doesn't matter if Susan, who's 55, buys it, or Pat, who's 39, or Mo, who's 27, buys it. It doesn't matter. It's just a product. You're selling product. But in a service-based business, which a lot of coaches are, which I am too, it's like we have to just look at our top favorite customers and then be like, okay, like let's just market to that crowd because we're really good at serving them they are really happy working with us. We are really good at getting them results. So that just creates a referral machine because every customer is so happy that like that's just a healthy business. No, I love that. Um, especially because you said that it's, if you, like Apple, they don't customize every phone for every person who wants to buy it. Like that that would destroy their business model. Um, so they have like what, three choices? What'd you say? Yeah. 
they have about like three choices. Right, exactly. Uh, and they're good at it and they just mass produce. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a valuable lesson that you, that you've discovered early on in your business. Um, what, so what, that's, that's the target you work with. What different service offerings or how do you service your clients? Is there more than one way? Yeah. So we, um, great question, Pat. So for the last three years, we only had one offer and that was my group program. It was hybrid. We still gave a lot of one-on-one attention to each client, but the, the overall delivery of it was group based. So like that means it's like the zoom calls were group, but then everything else that you got custom workouts, custom meal plans, custom audits, like we would literally check up on you, make sure you're doing good, all of those things. Um, and then like we started getting a lot of VIP type clients, right? Clients that who had a lot of network, clients that ran big companies. And a lot of them didn't want to be on a Zoom call with 30 other people. They wanted that one-on-one attention. So what we ended up doing was we created three offers. One is our group program, which is, you know, our bread and butter, which is where a lot of we serve a lot of people. And then we have our VIP, which that second we have our private. So there's group, private, and VIP. The private is where the customer gets one uh, VIP call with me once a month. And then the VIP is where we deliver the meals to their house. We deliver the supplements to their house. And then they get weekly one-on-ones with me. And then they get, I fly out to their state, wherever they're at, once in those four months. And we train together, spend a, an afternoon together, hang out. And, that, and masterminds. that's a four-month engagement for the VIPs? Yeah. Wow. Do you have any service models that go that extend? So when people hit... Do you have anything that goes at like 12 months or? Um, how- we just, it's funny. Um, I was on a call like two hours ago and um, a client was like, hey, Mo, like, go ahead and run the numbers. Um, what would it cost to work with you for another year? And um, I, I ran the math in my head. I'm like, boom, that's the number. And, and then I sent him the invoice. And then I'm on like another sales call and I see that invoice that was like a couple grand and it just paid right away. So, yeah, so we, we do this all the time. So we have pretty good retention because what we realized, Pat, over the years is like we grew exponentially uh, last year. So we like 5x our growth when I went full time on my business. And then what happens is in the last like six to eight months, we've been kind of like at that same trajectory where what happens is every month churn kicks in and every service based business, most people don't even know what churn is. Churn is the number of clients that leave every month, Right. And in my space of health and fitness, in the gym industry, average churn is 12%. So when you look at it, like in a fitness coaching, we're not much different. So like we calculate our churn every month. So what happens is if you are growing, let's say at 18% every month, but then that 12% churn hits you, you didn't really grow by 18%. You only grow by six. And most coaches don't analyze that well enough because they are not math people. And I laugh at them. I'm like, it's not math. It's just division. Like... Like literally, it's just division. Um, so churn is like we look at it very carefully. So what happens is now we have much better metrics for retention. So like when a client, let's say they signed up for four months, we know their goals really well. So we over deliver. We get them those results because the best way to reduce churn is to get your people results. So if you suck at getting them results, you're going to have the churn problem always, right? The best in my game are churning at 3%. So if you churn at 3% every month, Pat, like your profit margins are out the window. Like you'll be able to exponentially grow. Um, the reason companies like Netflix and all those, they're, they churn at 2.4% every month. 
Whereas like gyms are turning at 12%. And that's why like you don't see a billion dollar gyms um, because they fail to provide that level of service. So for us, we, we stress about churn all the time because you can keep growing. You can keep putting like fuel to the fire and do advertising, run Facebook ads, do webinars, all the acquisition channels. But if your bucket is leaking from churn, you're going to like, if you have more clients, you're going to leak more clients. So it's like, you're not really growing. So I think in the last six months as CEO, one of the biggest um, things that have occupied my mind is like, how do we just make our product just exponentially better? Um, it's just being so good that even our clients that are below average get exceptional results that they end up referring. Um, so that's been, yeah, I think about that a lot. So I think for your, to answer your question for retention of if you have any models, yeah. So after the four months, we try to we try to get every client to stay with us for at least nine months because we have found nine months to be that sweet spot where that person's habits, their behaviors, a lot of their thinking processes that they came into the program with have changed because nine months is a long time. And I'm assuming they've already traveled during that. They've already tackled some of the obstacles. And we've touched, we have taught them to overcome them in a certain way. So then nine months is a sweet spot. If we leave a client at nine months, we're happy with it. We're like, yeah, like we gave them everything we could. Some clients, we have clients that have been with us for over two years. So we love retaining clients. We love working with them. We love over-delivering. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just being customer-centric, but also like knowing your numbers. Um, because as I started building my team, now it's just not me, right? Like the old me would have gotten really excited that a client paid a 12-month invoice today. The new me is like, well, like, we also have to serve that client for 12 months now. <laughs> and um, and I have to pay my coaches. I have to pay the, the marketing person. So it's like, now you got to think like, if you're building an enterprise, you got to think like a business owner. And business owners don't just celebrate everything that hits their bank, right? You become very mature. I think the game matures you. Um, so I'm at a point in life where it's like, we make money, great. And I love it. I celebrate it. But at the same time, it's like I don't celebrate it too much because then what happens when you get a, you know, a refund? Um, what happens when you when a car declines? Are you just going to be just as sad? Well, that's just not a very healthy way to live. So it's like trying to maintain the Zen, like, peace of mind uh, to where if your business is healthy, keep it healthy. If your business is not healthy, try to get healthy, but don't let it get to your mental health. Um, I think that's all gold. Like, I think it should be highlighting again like on here we talk about the less sexy side of building wealth which is like protecting wealth and going through the next covid or whatever the next economic downturn is going to be like recurring revenue is one of the best ways to save your business and so those strategies you talk about like focusing on your churn um, reducing it as low as possible is is super impressive and and helpful <clears throat> excuse me um, and you highlighted something that was like actually perfect was my next question. Like the vision for the business, again, like as you start to scale, you have team members, someone pays up front <clears throat> the next 11 months, you have to make sure you're maintaining your cash flows. What do you have as a plan for your business 10, 20, 30 plus years from now? Like what's your end vision? Yeah. So the whole reason I started this company was to eradicate life threatening diseases. So I'll say it again, life-threatening diseases. So in the, uh, like, when, even when I was 17, I had a dream. I was like, I'm going to build something that will eradicate heart disease, right? Heart disease was always like a passion of mine and I wanted to be a cardiologist. That's why I was in clinical healthcare. 
And then when I realized like as a cardiologist, I cannot impact as many people. I'll just be like in my clinic seeing 10 patients a day, a very different life. Um, and I have to sacrifice a lot to do that. Um, you go through like 15 years of school, very different. And then you're part of a system. So one of the things I learned, Pat, is like healthcare as general healthcare is like where you like, if you look at a, a, a straight line in the middle, you have a person and then on the left, you have death. And on the very right, you have very good health, right? Healthcare works from like a person to dead zone. Like that's like trying to save you from like dying. Whereas the industry that I'm in and that I want to really occupy is the industry that's like a person, a normal person to an optimal fucking high performer. Like, can I swear on here? Sorry. Um, uh, so that's, like the, that's the zone. So where I see training with the Titans in 30 years is I want this business to be like just top notch fitness. Like I want it to be compared against like the world's best, um, the Pelotons of the world, the the big companies that are just like big names. Um, I want Training with the Titans to be one of those companies and have continue to have 97% success rate where if someone comes through us and, and follows our teachings and follow our coaching style, they end up getting amazing results. Um, and it's a very holistic way of fitness, the way that we do it. Uh, we're not fans of any particular diet. We're not fans of like any one way of training. But we are a fan of like consistency and sustainability. So whatever we design programs, it's like, okay, like can this client sustain it? And that's why our clients love us is because we we know more about their lifestyle than they do sometimes. Like I know which one of my clients have a nine to five job, which one goes home, goes to the gym at four a.m., which ones go to the gym at eleven p.m. Right? It's like actually giving you know caring about those people. So like to answer your question, um, our twenty to thirty year vision is just be a massive company that is influencing a lot, a lot of people and is like, is it cares about their people. You know, it's like, if we can be that one of the, when I started this company, I was still in healthcare and I noticed a big gap between healthcare and fitness. And, and I used to wonder like, cause I, I was, I had like over 10,000 clinical hours, right. With the doctors. So what I would see is like a lot of time doctors would be like, Miss Miss Janet, you should start exercising because your your diabetes is getting worse, right? And Miss Janet would be like, Yeah, I know. And then two months later she would come back for a follow-up and still haven't done anything. No exercise, right? And I would wonder as a sixteen year old, as a seventeen year old, like why why do these people not do anything? Right? And it turns out, Pat, there was a gap. There was a missing gap. And that's where fitness coaching comes in, right? That's where like the, the guidance comes in. That's where step-by-step -step strategy comes in. A lot of people, when they picture getting in shape or exercising, they picture being on a treadmill and like just miserable for their life, right? So then they don't even try because, you know, I try things that are really hard. Our brain doesn't want to do that. So there's no gap between healthcare and fitness. There's nothing, right? And there's a lot of people that talk about it, but nobody has enough understanding of both sides to like do anything. I was in healthcare for nine years and I've been in fitness for eight. So it's like in 20, 30 years, I just want training with the Titans to be that gap that just, you know, that just totally brings like, yeah, that doctors are like, yeah, like, yeah, you should do training with the Titans. Like they'll teach you everything and then come back to me and you'll be healthier. Yeah. Right. Like now when we coach clients, we always hear like, Oh, my LDL got better or like my doctor, I went for a, you know, a test and they were like, yeah, you're looking great. And your lab tests are much better. We hear that a lot more now. Right. And it's like, we're getting closer, um, to that. So in 20, 30 years, I, that's what 
the gap between healthcare and fitness. I want to bridge that. So as the CEO of this business, where do you see yourself? Because anyone listening can see you're extremely passionate about what you do. But the entrepreneurial journey, excuse me, the entrepreneurial journey, the good and the bad of it is, do you see yourself as the CEO still working with clients? Or like, how does your role change? Um, Because obviously, you're extremely passionate about helping people with your own two hands, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like as a CEO of the business, I will not be coaching people at that point. Um, Just because it's like, I will not be the best at it. I will have so many other things going on. Um, even in, in our, in our own team, it's like, we're, I keep everybody very accountable. So they keep me very accountable. So like we try to specialize. So like my coaches, the best ones in the game for that. And we don't, they don't talk about sales. They don't talk about marketing. They're just doing that. And they're really good at it. Marketing people. That's what they do. So it's like, for me as a CEO, if I'm like, if I'm building an enterprise and I'm still coaching, that's not an enterprise. That's like a self-employment. So like for me, it's yeah very important to that to get the business to a point where it doesn't need me as much besides being the face, right? If, if that's the case, right? So like at that point, yeah, I'll be, you know, meeting with the, I guess, yeah, the presidents of the countries and like the United Nations people um, to make sure that we can actually provide a service that's like at that level. Like the Elon Musk, right? Elon still does a lot of engineering for Tesla and stuff, but he doesn't have to. And what happens is like, as you get remove yourself from the business, you make the business better because then the business itself can live and thrive on its own versus requiring you on every step. So like for me, like even now I feel like every day, like I try to ask my team always is like trying to take more off of my plate. Um, because as somebody who like ran this business alone for three years, now we have a team. So going into the fifth year, it's like, we think about that a lot. It's like, how can we, make this so I don't have to run every invoice. How can we make this so I don't have to run, do every sales call? So it's like my job basically is to put the pieces together so the business can run itself versus requiring me everywhere because I have some ego that I got to be involved, you know? I think that's awesome. I love that. Um, Now, we had talked offline about the industry as a whole. Um, So pivoting to some of the challenges with the online space in general, what would you say both differentiates your business and are some of the challenges you see with online coaches as a whole? Um, what was the first part of the question? Um, what, what differentiates your business and versus like, what are the the problems you're seeing out there that, that you obviously try to avoid? Yeah. I'll, I'll start with the, what problems am I seeing right now? So there's a lot of people that, and the barrier to entry in online fitness is nothing. You get a weekend certification and you are like fitness coach and you post a pictures with six pack abs. And now like you, you are, you are the one. Um, so the barrier to entry is very little. So what happens is a lot of people get into the game and oftentimes they, they make these bold promises because they might be really good marketers, but not really good at delivery. And that's the problem because you're working with someone's health. You're, you're taking care of someone's fitness. You're making their life better, but you don't know much of anything besides you getting a certification over the weekend because you memorized 20 questions, right? Like it doesn't, that's the problem that I see all the time, right? What differentiates us is like two things. 
one, we have the expertise, so a lot of years of doing this. But second, we have the volume. So like years alone isn't enough. If you've been coached for five years and you only coach five clients, like you don't really know your stuff. Like, let's be honest, like you only work with so few. Um, so for us, like what differentiates us is like we have a huge volume of clients that we work with, that I work with, my assistants work with. And then we also deliver results. So there's like, I, I know you follow me on social media. There's not a day that goes by that I don't post a transformation story, right? And why is that? Well, like we're obsessed with getting our clients results. Like we care about that. I wake up in the morning, I look through everything and it's just like, Hey, how can you, we're good at it, but we're always trying to make it better. We like every day we make our program 1% better every day. The reason being is like, we're not resting on our, our laurels, right? Like I was a coach four years ago and I have transformation stories from four years ago, but like I even joke with those clients that worked with me back then. I'm like, Hey, like, now you you get the most upgraded version of Coach Mo. Like that was me back then. Now there's me right now, right? And a year from now, if I'm still alive, I'll be even better, right? So it's like, hey, how can you keep making it better? So for us, what differentiates us is like we still care. We have volume. We have the expertise. And if we don't think we can get you results, we won't enroll you into our program because we have a 97% success rate where we really care about that. We really care about like, hey, if you give us money, we're going to deliver, and if we don't deliver, we'll like we will either refund you or we'll be like, hey, like, well, you will know even on like a sales call when you get on the consultation call with us. Um, so it's like the problem in the online industry is I think the consumers get confused sometimes um, because they see so many people doing it, and it's like, hey, like, who do I hire? And not enough fitness coach. Fitness coaches get so like a lot of the beginners they get so attached to the dollar that they're like trying to make every sale, and it's like you end up scamming people. And, and that's a real thing too. It's like, hey, like, you know, just because you have a nice butt, like uh, there was like a scam, uh, a girl sold like 2,000 people on her program from like TikTok or Instagram. She had a nice butt and she had no idea how to write a training program. She had no idea how to coach these people. And then like they all filed a refund or credit, uh, what do you call that when you charge back? Oh, yeah, they all filed chargeback. <clears throat> and, um, and so it's like, hey, like that's a huge problem in the industry. Right, you're in the financial services. I was in healthcare. Like the barrier to entry is so hard in those industries. Like to become a doctor, you got to go through twelve years. There's no other way around it, right? For you, I'm sure you guys had to take a lot of tests to go through that. So it's like in fitness, it's like it's whatever, whatever, right? It's like the land of free, and so you, you, we see a lot of those people, and then our clients, our prospects, get burned by those people, and then they come to us for to save them, um, and they always get jaded because the last guy ripped them off, right? So it's like, hey, you got you to gotta play it fair. If you're playing the long game, um, trust me, it pays off. Like I started this podcast off by saying being persevering. Uh, being perseverant helps. In my case, like I get messages all the time. People are like, yeah, I've been following you for three years. I still remember when you lived in Chicago. And I'm like, you've just been in the background. They're like, yeah, I've been wanting to join, man. I just, I just have the courage. And I'm like, yeah, come on in now, right? So it's like, if you're in the game and you post every day and you talk to people and you care about people, you get them results, like that differentiates us. And over time that differentiates us, that puts us into a new galaxy compared to all the other ones. Um, so that's what I would say differentiates us. No, that's, that's extremely helpful. So what would your, like you're in an amazing position because you have the, the expertise, the time and the results. If a new coach is listening now and they're like, well, I don't have any of that. 
how would they differentiate themselves authentically? Because again, like most people, I hope they're listening are not looking to scam people, but they might just have no real expertise. How do they differentiate themselves? Or experience, not expertise. Because again, like it, we do want them to do more than a, a weekend course before they're like, hey, you know, take my. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that I did, and this is the best thing I ever did, was my first client was for free. So the reason I said like I made no money for eight months was because I had two clients that I was coaching for free. Um, and that gave me a lot of like the groundwork. It helped me set up my systems. It helped me like realize, okay, like this is what it takes. So like for a lot of you guys, if you are complete beginners, please keep another job just because like a lot of business coaches will promise you the world and a lot of you will not take off just because there's a lot of other options in the market and chances are you're not the best just yet. So give yourself time. I had a corporate job for three years before I left to do my business full time. Right. And trust me, I was posting every day. I was like coaching clients on the side. Right. The reason being is like, you don't want to be financially stressed when you are in the early days. Right. So in the early days, make sure your bills are being paid. Just because when you get on these sales calls, people can smell neediness. Right. 100%. People can smell when, like you need to pay your rent. And if you don't close this client, you're not going to be able to, like, people can smell that and they're not going to work with any, like, Im- like imagine if you go to a store to buy like anything, a purse or something. And the store is like, please buy this purse. If you don't buy it, we're going out of business. Like, you'll be like, God, I don't like, <laughs> like maybe like once in a while you might get somebody out of pity, give you something, but like, it's not a way to run a business. Like, so it's like the best thing I ever did, even though a lot of my friends talk, like gave me shit for it was, was like keeping my job. I had a nice, good, comfortable job. And then that gave me the flexibility to work on my business. And like my bills were being paid. I was comfortable. So like I had that, like one of my favorite quotes in sales is needing nothing attracts everything. Needing nothing attracts everything. So in the early days, the reason most people have a tough time in the early days of business is because they're needy. They need too much. They have these crazy dreams. And it's like, but you're not that good yet. So it's like the best thing to do is build up your ex- expertise, build up your experience, coach people for free, right? Get some friends from college and, and like put them through the program. Not everyone is going to get results because they're not paying you or paid, you know, charge them hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever you want, you feel comfortable with, but get them results. If you get them results, if you get lucky, you get them results, boom, you got transformation stories. And now you have a program. Now you're becoming a coach and never stop investing in yourself too. I was going to personal development conferences. I was like all over the place, right? Learning, 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 building this right here. And what happened was one day people started paying me a lot more because they're like, dude, your coaching calls are just, ah, like I feel like doing things afterwards. And you give me these practical tips. Like you helped me with this. Like one of my clients, he like he was an engineer sitting at home and like through a fitness coaching call that I was doing, I was like, yeah, we don't need to talk about fitness. You need to get a job, right? Like you don't have a job and you're unemployed and you need to go get a job. So I'm like, we're going to pause the program and your whole objective for the next month is find a job. He gets a job in Chicago, comes back two days, uh, two days ago, resigns the program and pays for like five months in advance. So it's like coaching, especially fitness coaching, like, you you have to invest in yourself so you can coach people on a deeper level. So and if, and if you're as a CEO of a, like most of you are entrepreneurs or so you're CEOs of your business, think of yourself as a CEO. 
right? Like put that hat on. A CEO reads 52 books a year or 25 books a year, whatever the number is. Invest in yourself. Be obsessed with it. Be obsessed with it. If you're not obsessed with it, there's there's a guy out there who's obsessed with it and he's going to beat you. And he's going to, like, as, as harsh as it sounds, he's going to eat your lunch just because he wants it more than you do. So it's like, I think a lot of people just want a passive income. If you want a passive income, maybe start like an e-commerce store. But if you truly want this to be the business that, you know, launches you into like wealth or like uh, the person that you want to be, then be obsessed with it and actually like do this like for real, for real. And don't just quit because one month was bad. Like you're in it for the long run. Um, and that, that will give you that, that confidence. So if you're in the beginning, I would say keep your job. Like don't let any entrepreneur talk you out of quitting your job. Like Pat, you will like this answer. Most uh, business coaches don't. Um, I waited three years to quit my job, right? And I, like, there was like, before I quit, there was a six-month period where my business kept matching my job's income. So month one, it matched my job's income. I was like, okay, that's not enough evidence to quit yet. Month two, it still matched. Month three, it, it, it excelled. Month four, month five, month six... Month six, I made, I think, more money in like three days that I had off than I do in a whole month at my job. So the evidence was so clear. And I had my, you know, emergency fund saved up. I was like, okay, now if I don't do this now, and I had all these client results because I'd been doing it for two and a half, three years at that point. So then literally quit. And that's where me and Pat went, actually. We were in Ross Johnson's mastermind. I go into that mastermind and he gives me some tools and I just accelerate we like 4X'd in, in two months. And people are like, how'd you do it? Like, I want your tips, I want your tips. And I'm like, you forgot, I've been doing this for three years. Like, I just needed one piece that I was missing, but you're missing 20 pieces, right? It was like, people often forget the expertise side, but sometimes that just takes time. And there were so many times, like when people told me to quit, my, even, my own parents never believed in me, right? They were just like, what are you doing? Like, you went to school for such a prestigious degree, like engineering and science and like, we could brag to other parents and now you post all those pictures online. So it's like, Hey, like you gotta just, you know, like do it for long enough to where your skills are there. I love that. Um, especially cause when we help people with their finances, again, they're all business owners, but we don't even look at the business until we've completely evaluated their personal life. Because exactly you said, like you can't be showing up for your clients and sales calls and building your business when like, your house is on foreclosure and like you've got all these personal messes, like you will be a disaster for the business. Like you have to take care of yourself first. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so that's this perfect segue into, you know, success and wealth. Um, you said already in the podcast last year was phenomenal for you guys. If you either last year or even maybe this year to date, what would you say has been the biggest positive impact on your revenue or growth profits or profit growth? Do you want like a tactical answer or a mindset answer? Um, whatever you want. Um, yeah, let's do one of them. Um, mindset answer, I started treating my business like a professional. Okay. What that means is I clock in every day at 6 a.m. Every day. And except Sunday. So you got to treat your business like that. So, so often we have all had jobs before. Right. At McDonald's, for example, at the hospital I worked at, we punched in 
as professionals, whether it was snowing outside, whether it was raining outside, whether it was whatever. Pat is from Philly, so it snows a lot there. But like we've all had jobs where we had to show up. Like you show up or you don't get paid, right? And too often people like go on their own business and like they start working and then they start sleeping until 2 p.m. It's like, hmm, that makes no sense. But you are a CEO, so like whatever, right? But your business needs some love and it needs to be taken care of. So like for me, I started treating my business as a professional. Like, hey, like this is like my business does not exist to serve me or to serve my needs. Like I have to work here until I get it to a point where I can hire other people and then I can choose to sleep in, right? So mindset shift, treat it like a professional, right? Treat it like you want your employees to treat it. If you're waking up late every day, if you're late for meetings, if you're late for everything, if you don't really care about growth, then why would they care? You're like, why would they care? So it's like, number one, treating it like a professional really helped because that meant like, hey, we had to meet goals and we have to be on time. And even when we don't hit goals, if we showed up on time every day, the results would always show something to that, right? And then the second thing was tactical was like talking to people, like being out there. If people don't know you, they'll never buy from you. So it's like, okay, like, People might know you, but they might not like you. So how can you be more likable? How can you be more trustable? How can you be more trustworthy, right? So like for us, tactically speaking, we just started having a lot more conversations with people. And it's like, we would build, like I, have, I would have so much more content to post every day. Just because like I was talking to a lot of people and we would get feedback very quickly. And then having like a nice chunk of clients on your own who are asking you questions every day. So it's like over deliver to your audience so they consider you the, the authority. And if you're truly the authority, they will notice. Um, the reason a lot of people don't get enough clients is because they're really not that good or they're not very good at marketing how good they are. So it's like just realizing that. So mindset speaking, how we quote, like increased our revenue was like treating it like professionals do, showing up for work every day, five days a week, six days a week. And then second thing is talking to more people. If people, if you can't get attention, people will never buy from you. So it's like, you got to be a good, you got to be good at marketing, copywriting, all those skills that come with that. Um, and then, you know, care about those people, care about, talk to them, ask them questions, see like what they, what they need help with. Maybe they're getting married and they want to look their best. Maybe they're just like a dad who's worried that they might not be able to walk their daughter down the aisle if they don't take care of the like whatever it is got to be able to talk to those people so tactically like talking to more people getting in front of more people like like for me i was not comfortable getting on tiktok my team is like well it doesn't matter what you are comfortable with or not like business needs this so it's like okay let's do it like no questions asked let's get through it right and um so it's like doing whatever it takes but also like doing it in a strategic manner to where you can capture attention um and then people should consider you whenever they're looking for a fitness coach or whatever they're looking for that type of coach, they should think of you. At least they should think of you. I and mean, if they don't think of you, you have failed as a marketer. And second, if they don't think of you, they'll never buy from you. We don't buy things we don't think of, right? Like there are like 20, 30 coffee shops down the street. Well, like the first coffee shops that comes to my mind is Starbucks because they have done a good job at positioning themselves in my head as, as the coffee shop. Right. So I, if they come to my mind, I'm going to drive there. Even if Tim Hortons does a better marketing thing, right. It's like who got there first. So just, you know, those are the things that I would say like helped us. I love those. I mean, that's 
extremely helpful, especially for people. I mean, it, even myself, I need to hear that. I'm an introvert, so um, that tactic is is always great to re- reinforce. Um, <clears throat> you had mentioned already, so everyone listening knows that like, you're investing in your business. You want it to be there for decades. You have a big mission. <clears throat> but outside of your business that you're building wealth on, what's your general philosophy? You can be as vague or specific as you like for investing outside of your business. Yeah, bro. Um, I, I've, I've been going to investing conferences since like last five years, like Berkshire Hathaway's annual investor meeting. I'm always there. Um, I remember being 21 and listening to Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talk for like nine hours in Omaha. I used to like, used to be that crazy kid who would go there all alone. And I remember, uh, one time there was like this couple from New York and they're like, you came here all alone. How old are you? I'm like 21. (laughs) And, um, and I, I, I love um, investment philosophies. I love the old school principles that don't expire, right? It's like save more than, what is it? Like invest more than you spend. Like all those things, right? Don't spend more than you make. All of those little principles are crucial to being able to build wealth, right? Because like wealth is not, the way that I understand wealth is like, it's not how much money you make. It's the ratio between how much you actually put away and invest and save versus how much you actually bring in. It's the ratio, so like if you're bringing in $5 and spending 5 you have no wealth. But if you're bringing in, in 10 and you're saving 9 that's you know that's wealth. Um, and over time, that accumulates. So for me, I like tend to focus on income a lot more. But at the same time, I have systems in place to where, yeah, like in the back end, savings are happening every month. And then like I have certain stocks that I invest in that I like the companies that I understand super well. Um and that just comes from like the entrepreneurial nature that I even had as a kid because I loved looking at healthy companies and being like, I buy products from that company. So I would like buy stocks from that company and then they end up being super good. And I'm always like, I don't know. I think it was me being, I grew up in Pakistan, so South Asia, and my grandparents were all farmers um, of some sort. So like I've always been a long-term person. So like I don't just buy stock and day trade or any of that. I just hold on. So like if I see a good company, like I've had stocks that I've owned for like four years um, and I just hold on to it. And then S&P 500, like that annual return up 9% every year. So I like put some in there, I have some investments in crypto, nothing too crazy, but I do have that. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of it, like a lot of the money, especially now that I have to make payroll every month for my employees, like a lot of our money is like, like I would say like a good amount stays at one place uh, that I'm comfortable keeping it just because I'm like, hey, like we should have at least six months of payroll ready to go um, if we ever uh, have a bad month. So, and that like when you own a company, bro, like that gives my employees a lot of peace of mind um, because you want to work for someone that's like good with money just because like our employees have options and if they think their future in this company is insecure, they're going to leave you. And then you have to find a new employee, train them, and it generally costs a business $20,000 to train a new person and resources and time, all that. So it's like, for me, like, that's like a new transition for me where I, like I have to, like last month I paid the most payroll I've ever paid in life. Um, and obviously our business is growing and it's like, I would say we pay about 14% in payroll every month in, in monthly income. So it's like, there's still a good chunk left, but then every month, like, have you ever read the book Profit First? Oh, yeah. I teach that to my clients. We implement that. Perfect. Yeah. So, like, I think the best decision I made, and I wish I did that sooner, um, was about two years ago in event full time, I literally, like, sat down for a whole day 
and set up the whole profit first model. Love that. So now it's, it's beautiful because like what I do is I have a spreadsheet where I have the profit first laid out on that spreadsheet. And then what I do is every invoice that's paid, every new client that comes in, um, even our affiliate partners, when they pay us, right? I just add, 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 add. And like what happens if I make $100, 10 of it go to the tax column. Like it just automatically calculates it. So at the end of the month, on the 30th or the last day of the month, when I sit down, I just look at the numbers on that spreadsheet that has been calculating all along. And boom, I'm like, okay, that much money. Because we have the business account. That money goes into this account, oh, operating expenses, taxes, owners pay, payroll. Um, and that just keeps me unemotional. I love that system because I think too often one of the, if your audience is fitness coaches, one of the things that happens to a lot of us is like when you start making some money, we get very, um, very happy, very quickly. Like, yes, we've never made this much money before and we just feel rich. And then like a lot of the time we just start spending it on, on BS. I never did that just because corporate America, I, like I was groomed from the start to take care of money and like to be smart, not show up, right? I still drive an old Nissan Altima because I love it. Um, when I lived in LA, I bought like a Mercedes Benz and it was cool and all, but I love my Altima even more, to be honest with you. So the point is like, just because you make more money, it doesn't mean you need to spend more money. Keep your lifestyle as simple as possible because the simpler you are, the more money you get to save. I personally have trained myself, Pat. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I've trained myself to, I get a lot of um, sense of peace from looking at my bank accounts and seeing them grow than I do from having like crazy expensive belongings. Like, like you know, $20 t-shirt, a $10 hat, like, I, you know, like not even an Apple watch, it's a $40 watch from Amazon. So it's like I get a lot of satisfaction from like looking like someone that has an average living and, and then like your bank account can can look really good at the same time. And that that is a good place to be at, in my opinion. No, I love that. When I um, back when I worked off of Wall Street, um, that was sort of the saying, like the best dressed people in the room usually were not even close to the wealthiest. It was like it was like the <laughs> like people that. in jeans and like. Just normal clothes, like that's probably the richest guy in the room. So you did some time in Wall Street? What'd you say? So you did some time in Wall Street? Uh, my firm was, uh, I think, 120 Broadway. So we walk, I worked like uh, two blocks from Wall Street when I first started in the business. Dude, hell yeah. That's like a really good grooming. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. I mean, when I moved to LA, somebody told me I was at Venice Beach. And I had like a bunch of group people, like a bunch of guys and girls are walking around. And I was like, Hey, can you take a picture of me? It's my, like, they're like, you just moved here. I'm like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was considering between New York city or LA and I picked LA and they're like, remember what they say? LA is, uh, LA is hard on the soul. New York is hard on the body. <laughs> and, um, it was such a beautiful saying because I feel like all my New Yorkers are super grounded. They work really fucking hard. Um, and people that I know from the Southern California side, they're very into soul and peace and the ocean and the vibes and the sunlight. Um, very different. I've always vibed better, I feel like, with East Coast people than I did with the West Coast, but that was just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there's parts I miss about living there. Again, like everyone's super driven, so it's easy to, to catch that vibe. Out in Vegas, not always as much. Um, San Diego, again, I love that vibe, but yeah, also same thing. Not, not everyone's out there grinding every day. Yeah. The grind culture is, is, uh, not very well taken, 
um, just because some people do overdo it and, and some people, yeah, just don't do it. Right. Whereas I think in, in the East coast it's different. Yeah. Um, especially in the bigger cities like New York or Boston stuff like that, Philly even. Um, but yeah, bro, it's, it's, yeah. Like, and, and then funny thing that happened to me was like, I was saving money and I didn't know for what. And then I came back to Michigan and I was like, I should like, I feel like I want to buy a home. Like it would be a good investment. And I was looking at the housing market like every year it was like growing. And I was like, if I buy a house, it'll be a nice asset and I'll have my own home office. I'll have my home gym. Like I'm like, I'm going to pay rent anywhere. So why not just pay a mortgage? Um, so like all of a sudden, like if I hadn't saved money, I didn't even have the option to buy a home. So like all the money that I'd saved, I was able to put a down payment in that helped. And then it's just like, you should have a good cushion just because you don't know what's like what the next purchase is. You don't know the economy. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's like keeping money on the side, being disciplined with it. Don't just spend every day. Right. Like for me, like even as a young kid, like if I made a lot of money, I would, I would literally treat myself with a $2 chocolate and that was my reward. Right. And that felt really good. So it's like, you know, don't like, if you make some money, don't be that person that's like, Hey, we're going to do like, you know, we're going to go to a club and do like bottles. <laughs> like why? Just because you made a few grand, like be more mature. Uh, so maturity, I think comes with that. I think that's super helpful. Again, like that's the whole like professional athlete model. It's like high income doesn't mean wealth if you spend it all. Um, and this is, this has been extremely helpful though. Thank you so much. So if our listeners want to learn more about you and your company, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, Mo Gaius. So the that's like on, on Instagram, M-O-E-G-H-I-A-S. Uh, on Instagram, very easily. You can easily message me there. I'll reply. And then on Facebook as well. And then the name of my company is Training with the Titans. Um, Training with the Titans, literally the, as the name spells. Um, we have our own app on, on the Play Store. So you can check that out. Or uh, MoGaius.com if you want to watch some free stuff. Uh, we also have a Facebook group. Um there yeah we literally share a lot of free content there so if you're new to fitness or if you're a fitness coach that just wants to touch base say hi uh instagram and facebook are the best bet at mo guys perfect and we're gonna have links to everything that mo just mentioned in the show notes um perfect and i believe you said there's you had an offer for anyone listening who may or may not be a fitness coach that just needs some fitness help yeah so our group program our our like since Pat invited me, the offer that I have for you guys is when you join, we normally do, um, we normally don't give away free months, but if you join and you buy into one of our programs, we'll give you one month for free. Awesome. That's very generous of you. Thank so you. Really, uh, four weeks for free. Yeah. Four weeks. Perfect. So what do they have to put in for that code? Yeah. So all they got to tell us in the application that Pat sent you. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Mo, for joining us on Building Your Wealth Muscle Podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. 
The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.